Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 71. Today's episode is entitled Victory, Defeat, Betrayal. And we see all these things happening in our passages today. And as we look at those, I hope that one of the things you might consider is what true victory, real defeat, and betrayal are all about and how those play a factor in not only the stories you'll read today, but in your own life, and where true hope can be found in the midst of all those things. So let's begin with Judges chapter 7. And we pick it up in the middle of Gideon, having just received signs that God would give him victory, and how he responds. Judges chapter 7. Jerub Baal, that is Gideon, and his men got up the next morning and camped near the spring of Herod. The Midianites were camped north of them near the hill of Morah in the, in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to hand over Midian to you. Israel might brag, our own strength has delivered us. Now announce to the men, whoever is shaking with fear may turn around and leave Mount Gilead. 22,000 men went home. 10,000 remained. The Lord spoke to Gideon again. There are still too many men. Bring them down to the water and I will thin the ranks some more. When I say, this one should go with you, pick him to go. When I say, this one should not go with you, do not take him. So he brought the men down to the water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, separate those who lap the water as a dog laps from those who kneel to drink. Only 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. The rest of the men kneeled to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will deliver the whole army and I will hand Midian over to you. The rest of the men should go home. The men who were chosen took supplies and their trumpets. Gideon sent all the men of Israel back to their homes. He kept only 300 men. Now the Midianites were camped down below in the valley. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, attack the camp, for I am handing it over to you. But if you are afraid to to attack, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant. And listen to what they are saying. Then you will be brave and attack the camp. So he went down with Pura, his servant, to where the sentries were guarding the camp. Now the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people from the east covered the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels could not be counted, but they were as innumerable as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon arrived, he heard a man telling another man about a dream he had. The man said, Look, I had a dream. I saw a stale cake of barley bread rolling into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent so hard it knocked it over and turned it upside down. The tent just collapsed. The other man said, Without a doubt, this symbolizes the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God is handing Midian and all the army over to him. When Gideon heard the report of the dream and its interpretation, he praised God. Then he went back to the Israelite camp and said, Get up! For the Lord is handing the Midianite army over to you. He divided the 300 men into three units. He gave them all trumpets and empty jars with torches inside them. He said to them, Watch me and do as I do. Watch closely. I'm going to the edge of the camp. Do as I do. 
When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, you also blow your trumpets all around the camp. Then say, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon took 100 men to the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just after they had changed the guards. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars they were carrying. All three units blew their trumpets and broke their jars. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right. Then they yelled, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. They stood in order all... They stood in order all around the camp. The whole Midianite army ran away. They shouted as they scrambled away. When the 300 men blew their trumpets, the Lord caused the Midianites to attack one another with their swords throughout the camp. The army fled to Beth Shittah on the way to Zerah. They went to the border of Abel Mahalah near Tabath. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh answered the call and chased the Midianites. Now Gideon sent messengers throughout the Ephraimite hill country who announced, Go down and head off the Midianites. Take control of the fords of the, and the streams along the way to Beth Barah and the Jordan River. When all the Ephraimites had assembled, they took control of the fords all the way to Beth Barah and the Jordan River. They captured the two Midianite generals, Oreb and Zeb. They executed Oreb on the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They chased the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was now at the other side of the Jordan River. The Ephraimites said to him, Why have you done such a thing to us? You did not summon us when you went to fight the Midianites. They argued vehemently with him. He said to them, Now what have I accomplished compared to you? Even Ephraim's leftover grapes are better quality than Abiezer's harvest. It was to you that God handed over the Midianite generals, Oreb and Zeb. What did I accomplish to rival that? When they said this, they calmed down. Now Gideon and his 300 men had crossed over the Jordan River, and even though they were exhausted, they were still chasing the Midianites. He said to the men of Succoth, Give some bread, loaves of bread to the men who are following me because they are exhausted. I am chasing Zeba of Zalaman and the kings of Midian. The officials of Succoth said, You have not yet overpowered Zeba and Zalumah, so why should we give you bread to your army? Gideon said, Since you will not help, after the Lord hands Zeba and Zalumah over to me, I will thresh your skin with desert thorns and briars. He went up from there to Penuel and made the same request. The men of Penuel responded the same way the men of Succoth had. He also threatened the men of Penuel, warning, When I return victoriously, I will tear down this tower. Now Ziba and Zaloma were in Kegor with their armies. They were about 15,000 survivors from the army of the eastern peoples. 120,000 sword-wielding soldiers had been killed. Gideon went up the road of the nomads east of Noba and Jogabah and ambushed the surprised army. When Zeba and Zalima ran, ran away, Gideon chased them and captured the two Midianite kings, Zeba and Zalima. He had surprised their entire army. Gideon, son of Joash, returned from battle by the pass of Herez. He captured a young man from Succoth and interrogated him. The young man wrote down for him the names of Succoth's officials and city leaders, 77 men in all. Gideon approached the men of Succoth and said, Look what I have, Zeba and Zalima. You insulted me, saying, You have not overpowered, you have not yet overpowered Ziba and Zalima. So why should we give bread to your exhausted men? He seized the leaders of the city, along with some desert thorns and briars, and then he thrashed the men of Succoth with them. He also tore down the tower of Penuel and executed the city's men. He said to Ziba and Zalima, Describe for me the men you killed at Tabor. They said, They were like you. Each one looked like a king's son. He said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. 
I swear as surely as the Lord is alive, if you had let them live, I would not kill you. He ordered Jether, his firstborn son, come, kill them. But Jether was too afraid to draw his sword because he was still young. Ziba and Zalyma said to Gideon, Come on, you strike us, for a man is judged by his strength. So Gideon killed Ziba and Zalyma, and he took this crescent-shaped ornaments that were on the necks of their camels. The men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandson, for you have delivered us from Midian's power. Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. Gideon continued, I would like to make one request. Each of you give me an earring from the plunder you have taken. The Midianites had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. They said, We are happy to give you earrings. So they spread out a garment and each one threw an earring from his plunder onto it. The total weight of the gold earrings he requested came to 1,700 gold shekels. This was an addition to the crescent-shaped ornaments, jewelry, purple cloth worn by the Midianite kings, and the necklaces on their camels. Gideon used all this to make an ephod, which he put in his hometown of Ophrah. All the Israelites prostituted themselves to it by worshipping it there. It became a snare to Gideon and his family. The Israelites humiliated Midian. The Midianites' fighting spirit was broken. The land had rest for 40 years during Gideon's time. Then Jerubbaal, son of Joash, went home and settled down. Gideon fathered 70 sons through his many wives. His concubine who lived in Shechem also gave him a son whom he named Abimelech. Gideon, son of Joash, died at a very old age and was buried in the tomb of his father Joash, located in Ophrah of the Abizurites. After Gideon died, the Israelites again prostituted themselves to the Baals. They made Baal Bereth their god. The Israelites did not remain true to the Lord their God, who had delivered them from all their enemies who lived around them. They did not treat the family of Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, fairly in return for all the good he had done to Israel. And there you have it again. It's the same pattern. Uh, Gideon's doing great stuff, conquers these people because God gave him the victory, and then he gets filled with pride and begins to make an ephod and a special thing that the people worship instead of worshiping God. And after his death, the people returned to their old ways once again. And it's just a reminder how easy this can happen, not just in the stories we read here, but in anybody's life, and how important it is to trust and look to God and see his victory is a true victory, and it's his victory that he's done, not one that we have done ourselves. And this leads us to Luke chapter 22, which recounts uh, some of Jesus' last uh, interactions with his disciples before he was put on trial and suffered and died. And so we, we see again victory, we see defeat, we see betrayal happening all within this story. Luke 22. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the experts in the law were trying to find some way to execute Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. When Satan entered Judas, the one called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, He went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers of the temple guard how he might betray Jesus, handing him over to them. They were delighted and arranged to give him money. So Judas agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus when no crowd was present. Then the day for the Feast of Unleavened Bread came, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us to eat. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? He said to them, Listen, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the owner of the house, the teacher says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large 
furnished room upstairs. Make preparations there. So they went and found things just as they had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table, and his apostles joined him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this, and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But look, the hand of the one who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man is to go just as it had been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. So they began to question one another as to which of them it could possibly be who would do this. A dispute also started among them over which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. So Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. Not so with you. Instead, the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is seated at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is seated at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are the ones who have remained with me in my trials. Thus, I grant to you a kingdom, just as my Father granted to me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, pay attention. Satan has demanded to have you all, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus replied, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know me. Then Jesus said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or traveler's bag or sandals, you didn't lack anything, did you? They replied, Nothing. He said to them, But now the one who has a money bag must take it, and likewise a traveler's bag too. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted with the transgressors. For what is written about me is being fulfilled. So they said, Look, Lord, here are two swords. Then he told them, It is enough. Then Jesus went out and made his way as he customarily did to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He went away from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, exhausted from grief. So he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd appeared, and the man named Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He walked up to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? 
When those who were around him saw that he was about what was about to happen, they said, Lord, should we use our swords? Then one of them struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus said, Enough of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come out to get him, Have you come out with swords and clubs like you would against an outlaw? Day after day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But this is your hour, and that of the power of darkness. Then they arrested Jesus, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. When they had made a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a slave girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was with him too. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Then a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are one of them too. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour, still another insisted, Certainly this man was with him because he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. Then the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus under guard began to mock him and beat him. They blindfolded him and asked him repeatedly, Prophesy, who hit you? They also said many other things against him, reviling him. When day came, the council of the elders of the people gathered together, both the chief priests and the experts of the law. Then they led Jesus away to their council and said, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, Are you the Son of God then? He answered them, You say that I am. Then they said, Why do we need further testimony? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. And so we finish our episode today with just this final thought. Probably like the disciples in that moment when Jesus was arrested, they thought this was surely defeat. There was no hope. And yet this story that we read now and in the coming episodes will lead us to an actual wonderful victory. And it reminds us that sometimes in the world's eyes, the victory and defeat look very different than in God's eyes. And to keep trusting God through those times is the absolute key because God is a trustworthy God whose ways are not our ways. And when we trust him and know him, we find that often defeat becomes victory and the victory we so desperately wanted would actually have led to defeat. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music.